1: Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. The end
2: zone, look at this, Devontae Adams, left corner of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers! 16-yard touchdown pass, the Packers an extra point away from getting this game tied! Bethard on third, down and three, in the shotgun. Football to the 46 at Green Bay. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Bethard looking, as he throws it, deep down the right sideline. And on the play! Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay! Snip Rodgers, looking right. Throws the right side, St. 6'5 5 of his frame tumbled out of bounds inside the 30 of the 28 yard line. Snap to Rodgers, looking downfield, throws the left side. Diverton's oh, got it! Out of bounds inside the 10 yard line! Oh my goodness, what a throw and catch! Again they beat Maven down the left sideline. Hunter Bradley the snap. JK Scott down on one knee. Arm extended. Here it is. Placement made. Kick is up. It is good. It is good. Yes. Yes. Mason, Mason, trust trust me, me. delivers the there dagger. One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. And the Packers win 33-30.
3: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of a Pack-A-Day podcast. If you're sick of hearing my voice at this point, I apologize. Andy Herman will be back next week on Monday. So a New Year's Eve present to us all. Our man has gotten his gallbladder removed, and the Packers have not lost sense, which means this is Victory Monday. So I am your host, Jacob Westendorf, and joined with me this week is Tyler grezagoric in the desert of Arizona. Tyler, how's it going?
4: Uh, Well... The weather's actually pretty nice, actually, down here, so it's going pretty well. Uh, obviously, the ride in the high of this Packers win on the road, their first one in however many weeks right now, so I'm feeling pretty good right now.
3: Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good, too. Uh, I think we kind of talked about this last week. My general motto is, fun is winning, winning is fun. A lot of people out there on Twitter today, it's kind of a battle within a fan base of a group wanting the Packers to play and win. And a group wanting the Packers to lose, and I am in the belief of I do not want the Packers to lose. If they do happen to lose, I am okay with that. That is different to me than actively rooting for losing. So, just for clarification purposes, Tyler, is that the group you are in as well?
4: Of course, and I think we could consult Mike Wendland on this, another member of the Pack a Day team, because he's been he's been a soldier out there just combating all of those beliefs. Uh, for the last couple weeks now, just he is solely against tanking and I understand his viewpoint of it creates a losing culture and that's not something that, the Packers are not a losing culture and you don't want that to manifest itself in any way and I think that he's got a solid point there and I think that you go out there and if you lose, you lose in this situation, it's it helps the team, but I'm not rooting for it and uh, you know, so I'm glad that they pulled it out today and if they had lost, I would have been it would have been a good try, but on to next week.
3: Absolutely. On to next week, the home finale, the season finale for the 2018 Green Bay Packers against the Detroit Lions, a team that has won twice at Lambeau Field in my lifetime. I used to be able to say never. Uh, the Two of the last three years has changed that uh, narrative for me. Last year, I was in attendance of one of those games. Uh, the Lions beat up on Brett Hundley on Monday Night Football. It was one of the worst games I've ever seen. And unfortunately, I brought my wife-to-be at the time to that game. She did not leave me after the game for that being boring as hell. So that's a positive out of that. But today, that's what I really want to focus on. Because next week, it's another glorified scrimmage. That's kind of what this game was also. Because in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean anything. The Packers are not going to the playoffs. The Jets are the Jets. And, well, I think that's pretty self-explanatory right there. Uh, But today's game was... Tyler, at least in my opinion, one of, if not the, the, this game will be right up next to the comeback against the Chicago Bears on opening night for most exciting game of the season. I think because of the rivalry, the 100th season opener, the 24 points in the fourth quarter, the big play to Randall Cobb, all that stuff, and the game actually mattered at the time, makes it so that Bears game will be the one that is at the top of that list. However, this Jets game was a lot of fun. Even if they had lost... Last week, you and I were talking about one of the most boring games of the season. It was choppy. It was gross. It was, I mean, even the Packers' defense, while they were hanging in, it's not like they were making a ton of big plays. The offense didn't make any big plays. And this week was an aerial show. And the first game that actually kind of comes to my mind a little bit is I remember when the Packers played the Colts, and it was early in Peyton Manning's career. And it was Peyton Manning lit up the Packers, and Brett Favre was trying to go score for score with him. And it kind of felt like a passing of the torch. I'm not saying that's what this was, but Sam Darnold, for my estimation, looks like he's the real deal. And that was a lot of fun to watch kind of the old guard, if you will, with Aaron Rodgers go at it with one of the young guns. How exciting just in general was this game for you, even if they had lost?
4: I mean, the game itself, there's a lot of fun to watch. There's a lot to be happy about and a lot to be upset about, you know, I'm just going to throw it out there right
2: now. Hashtag fire Zook. Just get yeah. out of there. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the
4: point is, the game itself, was a, it was a lot of fun. And even the casual NFL fan probably would have found themselves tuning in and having a good time. Um, and regarding Darnold, I've long compared him playing style-wise to Phillip Rivers. Uh, I think that that's the type of player he is. He's the guy who's not going to make a lot of mistakes for your team but he's going to keep your team in the game, and he'll make some big plays to win you those games. And Philip Rivers has taken that next step, obviously. But he, you know, Darnold's going to be a fine quarterback in this league, and I don't think it's a passing at the torch either. But, you know, just to see Rodgers versus Darnold, that was a lot of fun. And maybe we'll get to see it again at some point in the next couple of years. But uh, it was it was just a fun game to watch today, just all in all.
3: Yeah, I said this to you in the uh, pre-show. That's what my buddy Ross Ugglum used to call the dark episodes and that is that the Jets are going to be a problem at some point. It won't be right away. Uh, Todd Bowles is not going to be the coach for long. That is an immediate upgrade, regardless of who they hire as head coach, because that dude is awful.
4: <laughs> well, speaking, but, speaking of that, uh, there's rumors that McCarthy ends up in New York. so
3: Which, that would be perfect for Sam Darnold, I think. I still would, if I was betting, and I would never encourage gambling, but just some friendly wagering of jelly beans. But... I'll bet McCarthy ends up in Cleveland. He's friends with John Dorsey. I think that would be good for Baker Mayfield as well. Um, but I do think it's possible that he ends up with the Jets, and that would be good for Sam Darnold as well.
4: Well, here's an interesting question: If McCarthy and Rogers fell out, don't you think Mayfield and McCarthy would have would not be able to get along?
3: That's possible. Uh, that would be an interesting scenario, just because Baker Mayfield is a big personality. It's one of the re- one of the big reasons that I love him. I love his personality. I love that he basically pissed on Hugh Jackson twice during this season. Uh, he's a lot of fun. I love that he grabbed his area during a uh, Kansas game last year. I love him. And I'm a Michigan fan, so I really love him planting the Oklahoma fat flag in the, middle of, uh, in the middle of the horseshoe in Ohio. So that's possible. Uh, but I do think a lot of the Rodgers-McCarthy stuff, because they had a great relationship for a long time. I think they just kind of got sick of each other. And they'll win if uh, Cleveland's got a talented roster. They'll win. So, but that, yeah, I mean, that's a possibility with any coach and quarterback, uh, especially one with a big personality like that. Let's go on the field because there was a lot of discussion as to whether Aaron Rodgers should even play in this game today. And he did. So, I don't think we really need to discuss whether or not he should have because he did. He's going to play next week. None of that stuff's going to change. And at this point, saying whether or not he should play is kind of beating a dead horse at this point. Now, I think we can all agree if the Packers are losing by double digits going into the second half, like 20 plus points, that Deshaun Kaiser should probably get some run against the Detroit Lions next week. But that's beyond the point right now. What's encouraging from this game, Tyler, we talked about it last week, that Aaron Rodgers has not been Aaron Rodgers from a game from start to finish. Even the Bears game, you're talking about an entire half where he was piss poor. Uh, The 49ers game, they were bad. Uh, or he was bad throughout some of that game. And then the fourth quarter hits, and it's like this beast is unleashed, and all of a sudden he's Aaron Rodgers again. And today, save for the first two series, because the first (laughs) – I'm not going to lie to you guys. During the first two series, I'm thinking, man, it's 14-0 Jets. The Packers look like crap. They look disinterested. Rodgers doesn't look like he's having any fun. And it's going to be a long day, and it didn't turn out to be that. It was very wrong. Tyler, when is the last time you think we could safely say – from start to finish, Aaron Rodgers was the best player on the field because I think you can say that today. And how encouraging is that that you can say that today going forward?
4: You know, even going back to the Chicago Bears game, <clears throat> I you know, I don't know if this is just a Packers-related question because he was obviously the best player for the Packers during that game. However, you know, you got Cleo Mack on the field. I could argue that Cleo Mack was the best player overall during that game. So, like, if I'm looking at, you know, the last time that Aaron Rodgers himself was the best player on the field, man, uh, I'm racking my brain right now. It's been a hot minute. Um, you know, I go back to maybe 2016. I can't think of a game, maybe early 2017. I have to go back and look. But, you know, it's just been a long time, and I think that's the point here is that, has not looked like himself for a long time. And today, I think we saw some of the remnants of what Rogers was and still could be moved forward. I think he kind of maybe rediscovered himself a little bit. He was a little bit more decisive today. He was a little bit more, you know, risque. He wasn't willing or he was willing to kind of throw the ball out there, throw his body out there, just kind of take some risks. And uh, it was just a lot of fun to watch. I mean, three rushing touchdowns and a rushing two point conversion. We, we got a discount double check today. It was just a lot of fun to watch him. He was having fun. It was a good time, so uh, you know, but it's been a long time since we've seen that, Roger.
3: Yeah, and it was nice to see him. The touchdown pass to Devontae Adams, just watch him take the snap, drop back, step into a deep in cut, and it was a perfect mm-hmm. throw. Now, there were some plays, especially early in the game, you know, Roger steps up, he misses a throw here or there that you're like, man, he used to make that all the time. And then that disappeared. I think the conversation about whether or not Aaron Rodgers is done can be put to bed because
2: mm-hmm.
3: this week looked like the quarterback that we all – I don't want to say worship because that's going to be a little blasphemous here around Christmas, but the quarterback we know and love. And that's who they're going to need going into next season when the games are important because one of the reasons, not the reason, but one of the reasons the Packers are in the situation they're in is because the quarterback has not played to his capabilities. I think that's fair to say. If you say that he has played to his capabilities and everything around him is wrong, then you're just an apologist. And I I don't agree with you. But it's a positive thing to see that because whoever the head coach is isn't going to matter if Aaron Rodgers plays like he did for some of the stretch during this season now if he plays like Aaron Rodgers the next head coach is going to look like a genius more likely than not let's go to the receivers because they had a big day today as well and it wasn't just the Devontae Adams show which is something that we've kind of been talking about for most of the year is it's Devontae Adams and then who else uh, Mark Valdez-Scantling made a couple plays, but the real big development from today was, uh, blech, I trip over names of these receivers all the time, Equinemius St. Brown. EQ had five catches for 95 yards before leaving the, the game, likely with a concussion. I never got an official announcement on that, just judging by the hit he took and everything that happened from there. I'm going to guess that was a concussion, uh, but he had a big day today. And that kind of leads to some of the questions, because obviously this Packers offense for most of the year, as I mentioned, has been Devontae, and then what else? There hasn't been a whole lot of consistency in terms of the receiver position, and there was a discussion that broke out as to how many pass catchers, if any, do the Packers need to add to next year's roster. I personally believe that if you go into next season with your preferred starters being Adams, Scantling, and St. Brown, that you've done a disservice. Now, that's not to say that those two aren't talented, because they are. They've had some big games through the year. They've made some plays. However, competition's never a bad thing. Those guys are non-top 100 picks, which means there's a reason they were picked down there. That's all I'm going to say. That doesn't always work out that way, but there's a reason. Adding some high-end talent to the receiver position, maybe a veteran gasp to that spot, might be something that is worthwhile. Now. The question I have then is how big of a need is that? Because me sitting here as of today right now on December twenty third at four thirty p.m., I'm thinking that you can draft a receiver as late at, or as early as that second first round pick. Now there's a lot to be decided between now and then, obviously. But I do think that's something they need to look at. How excited are you about these young receivers? And does that at all change your opinion on whether or not they need to add somebody? with some decent capital whether that's free agency dollars or a high draft pick.
4: I'm actually in favor of both and the reason is I think that they need to they need to churn out the back end of that receiver room. I think Cobb's time in Green Bay is done. Yep. He could come back on a on a cheaper deal. He very he very well could come back because I think that Aaron Rodgers vouching for him is big and and for his stock on the team. However, I just I think he's done in Green Bay and I appreciate everything he's done. But it's time to move on. You know, Geronimo Allison is going to get an offer elsewhere. The Packers will make him an offer, but somebody's going to, or somebody might make him an offer. Packers might match it, but he's going to get some money. And I don't know if the Packers are going to want to put more money into that position for Geronimo Allison. Now, that kind of doesn't really fit with the argument of going and getting a free agent receiver, but there's a guy like Tyrell Williams from the Chargers who could come in and be that deep threat. The Packers don't need a number one. They just need complementary guys to fit these certain roles, and the Packers have not had a deep threat for a long time. Now, MVS could become that, uh, Veldon Scantling. He could become that guy, but, you know, I don't want to depend on that. Go out and get a guy who is, who has exceeded at that role for a couple years now and who's a little bit more better. Now, he might be a little bit rich for the Packers' taste. Uh, I think I've heard and I've seen that he might get, like, somewhere nine to $10 million a year, which he's not worth that. But if they can get a little bit cheaper than that, I'm, I'm okay with adding another guy on the outside like that. Um, and then also, yeah, this receiving class in the draft is incredibly deep and talented. And I want to get every bit of it that I can. Now, obviously, the Packers have other positions they probably should consider. But, you know, I'm looking at the receiving class this year. And there are a ton of guys who catch my eyes and make me want to use the draft pick on them. So I, I'm i perfectly okay with dipping into pre-agency, and using a high draft pick on a receiver this year.
3: I am, too, because, you know, I go back to 2007 when the Packers had uh, Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, James Jones, and everybody was in love with Ruval Martin, and they still picked Jordy Nelson. Mm -hmm. Turned out okay. They had a bunch of receivers in 2010. They picked Randall Cobb. Turned out okay. Again, I don't want to settle at this position towards the back end of the roster where, again, you know, this year we came into the year with – Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, Geronimo Allison. And on paper, you're like, okay, that's not bad. It's not great. It's not as good as it has been, but it's pretty good. And you're one turned ankle away from raw rookie Jamon Moore, Marquez Valdez Scantling, or uh, Equinemia St. Brown seeing the lineup. Once upon a time, it was Donald Driver rolled his ankle. Okay, Jordy Nelson and James Jones during the game. Now, I'm not saying that that's necessarily realistic to have five starting caliber receivers on your team, but. Just because they have other needs doesn't mean wide receiver isn't one of them. And I think that the more weapons you have, we were talking about this today, my brother and I, how the Rams, they basically overhauled their entire receiving corps once Sean McVay got there. They had a whole lot of nothing and then turned it into Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup all in the same year. Sammy Watkins leaves via free agency. They trade for Brandon Cooks and essentially plug him into Sammy Watkins' role. That was a big deal they have a lot of weapons and you're seeing the effect of what some of that can have now the cooper cup is not in the lineup the rams have been bad by pretty much any measure in december some of that because they had to play the bears but they still haven't been very good and the receiver position does matter not as much as maybe some others obviously but i'm all for it uh if you want to name and again this is on december 23rd uh at 4:34 p.m now Hollywood Brown. It's the perfect oh, name to go. In. <laughs> perfect name <laughs> to go in with equinemius and Marquez and Jamon and Devonte. I haven't even talked about Jake kumaro who we should probably bring that up <laughs> because it's fourteen nothing, and Rogers looks down the field and finds a wide open receiver, and I'm yelling at the top of my lungs. Not because I love Jake Kummerow or I buy into the folk hero-ness. If he's not on the roster next year, I'm not heartbroken by it. But I kind of look at him in a similar fashion to the way I look at Jeff Janis. Now, Jake Kummerow is far and away a better receiver than Jeff Janis ever was. But it was funny, if nothing else, wasn't it?
2: Yeah.
4: Well, I mean, he scored, and I immediately looked to my my girlfriend, who was watching the game and has no idea who Jake Kummerow is or (laughs) anything about Packers fans. And I'm like, Twitter's about to go off. Yep. Sure enough, I go out there 30 seconds later. Kumaro, 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 Kumaro. I'm like, yep. oh my goodness, this is nuts. So, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that Kubero is the option or the long-term option, I should say, either. Um, you know, I, I think that this this has room to grow. But there's, I mean, there's some things that, like, like you said, if Kumaro's on the roster next year, I don't hate it, I don't love it, I'm okay with it. But he better not be one of the top guys. That's all I can say. No, absolutely and not. So... <laughs> But it is. Let, let Packer fans have their moment. So, uh, you know, enjoy the moment and uh, enjoy
3: the win. But, well, at this time no. of the year, isn't it like stuff like that is what you're rooting for because it's funny. If not, I mean, realistically, at this point in the year, I'm looking to be entertained because there's one game left. We have three hours left of Packers football. Find a way to entertain me. And at the time, it's 14 to nothing. So I'm kind of thinking that this is every other road game the Packers have played this year. So they're just going to get their ass kicked like they have in most other games. So Kumaro catching a touchdown was funny, if nothing else. I do want to talk about running backs because that's another position going for it. Aaron Jones, obviously, uh, I believe is a star. I've talked about him ad nausea. I think the entire Packers fan base has. He's out for the rest of the season, obviously, with a knee injury. Jamal Williams had a nice game today. And that's this is about what his ceiling of a game is. He had about 90 yards rushing and about 70 some odd yards receiving, or somewhere in that time frame. I can look up the stats once you start talking to clarify that. But he had a nice game. Here's the way that I describe Jamal Williams to people. For those of you that are baseball fans, if you are into advanced statistics, if football is war, wins above replacement, Jamal Williams is the R. In war. He is a replacement-level player, in my opinion. If he is your third running back, I think you're in good shape. What they need is somebody else who's a little more explosive that can make some plays in the passing game as well as the running game to the point where when Aaron Jones is on the field, the defense has its ears up, and then when, say, another draft crush, Miles Gaskin comes in the game, they still have their ears perked up that this is a home run hitter and somebody that can hurt you in both phases of the game. Jamal Williams is a plotter, and that's not a bad thing. Those guys have their uh, use in today's NFL. Uh, He would be a great short yardage back, and he's a good pass blocker. I think that there's some overrated nature to the pass blocking ability that he does have, but he is good at those things, and he's a professional, and that stuff matters. You need guys like that on your team. However, He should never be somebody who is taking carries from Aaron Jones, and he should never be somebody that they're saying, Joe Philbin after the game today said, you can't name a better Green Bay Packer than Jamal Williams. Now, I know what he meant in terms of professionalism, how he prepares. He does all the dirty work, all that stuff. I get all that. He had 95 yards rushing. It's on the bottom line of my television screen. So there's that. And a touchdown. So a good day today for Jamal Williams, no doubt. But do you think going forward, Tyler, that this is a – I don't want to say a big need because I don't know if running back is ever a big need on a team in today's NFL, but is this something they need to address in the offseason?
4: So I would liken this next year's running back situation to last year's wide receiver situation. It's one that I'm looking at, but not one that I'm pressing to fill. And I think that if, if, you know, you mentioned that if Williams is your third string, then you're absolutely fine. I think if he's your backup, you're okay. I, I don't love it, but like you can get away with it. Uh, you know, you mentioned he's a plotter. He's a short. He's a short yardage guy. I'm trying to like rack my brain right now and think of situations where he's been knocked back into the backfield and lost yards on a carry, and I really can't. Like, I mean, he's the definition of a short yardage guy. He never. He never really takes a loss of yardage. Uh, I'm sure somebody's going to come up with like, look at this one. This one clip from two years ago or whatever. But the point is. He he always does what he needs to do to get that extra yard, and I think that that, that has value on the roster. And I I do like, I guess what Joe Philbin's saying. He's a perfect Packer, uh, but I would like to see them add another playmaker playmaker at the position. There's interest, or I should say, rumors of interest in lavian Bell. Gross. I think those, those are crap. I don't want to, I don't want nothing to do with that. So just go get a guy, third, fourth, even fifth round. I don't care. Like just go get another guy right now because. Williams is not the long-term answer. Jones could be, but the point is, if in today's NFL, you're going to churn through more than one running back in a game, so it helps to have multiple guys in the position. And I think Williams should carve out a role as that third-down specialist, short, that third-down short specialist, but you know, maybe a better pass-catching back like you were talking about with Gaskin, a guy who can come in and actually be a dynamic playmaker out of the backfield. Partner that with Aaron Jones, and I think they're going to be just fine in the package backfield.
3: Yeah, I do too. And to go through, first of all, Miles Gaskin is not my original material. i got to give credit. At Seeds of Jake is the guy who turned me on to him. Really smart guy for draft stuff, so give him a follow. Trust me when I say that. He's pointed out a lot of guys to me over the years. He actually originally turned me on to Aaron Jones during the draft process, so I'll never forget that from a personal standpoint uh, because Aaron Jones has turned out really good. As for the Le'Veon Bell thing you brought up, let's say this. If Le'Veon Bell wants to play for $5 million a season, then yeah, sure. I mean, I'm not going to say no to Le'Veon Bell in that standpoint. That ain't happening. He's not playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers in this game right now because they didn't give him – I don't even know what his contract demands are, quite frankly, but I know the Steelers offered somewhere in the ballpark of the franchise range, which is $14 million a season.
4: I think he wanted over fifteen.
3: Which, I'm sorry, but I mean, is Le'Veon Bell better than Aaron Jones? Yes, he is. Is Le'Veon Bell at $16 million a season better than Aaron Jones at whatever a fifth-round pick makes these days? Absolutely not. So I think that's fair to say at this point. Tyler, we got time for one more topic. It's Christmas Eve, as most of you are listening. I imagine most of you are listening here on Monday morning. First of all, Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy holidays if you celebrate something else. Um, What I want to ask is there's a best Christmas present anybody has always ever received. The story I gave last night uh, to Zach Jacobson was that the best thing I ever opened up was a throwback Reggie White jersey that my mom bought me. Uh, it was probably two years ago now. That's hanging on my wall right over here as I'm looking at it right now. It was the best Christmas present I've ever gotten. So what I want to do is kind of liken this. This is off-season talk to some degree. But if you were to say Christmas was in March or April and open up a present for the Packers, what would the best Christmas present you could receive, whether that's a free agent or a draft crush, or something of that sort. Maybe it's a head coach. I don't know. But what is the best Christmas present you could open for the Packers this this year?
4: Is it only one player?
3: Uh, you can give. I mean, sometimes they put multiple things in boxes. But
4: all right. Well, I think I think whoever's giving me this gift went all out this year. Oh uh, God. Okay. We're we're walking out of we're walking out of free agency with Jadavian Clowney. Okay. And and Earl Thomas or Lamarcus Joyner. Both of those guys, you know, those two positions. I think that in the first round of the draft, they're walking out of there with a premium edge, i.e., Josh Allen. Maybe, you know, I'm I'm gonna put this disclaimer out there. I'm not giving my endorsement for these guys yet. I have yet (laughs) to jump into any film on any of these college guys. But this is a guy that I'm seeing, you know, quite frequently talked about and by a lot of respected draft minds. So Josh Allen, and then a guy like Deontay Thompson. Okay. Also. Uh, you know, just kind of revamp the safety and the edge position with just those four moves. And I think you're looking pretty good. And if they could snag Hollywood Brown in the second or third round, we're, we're cooking in green Bay. So,
3: yeah, we're cooking with gas. If we get through with all that stuff, because my goodness, I would be thrilled. Uh, Like, I, I mean, everybody's kind of mentioned the Packers can have upwards of about $55 million in cap space next year. I do think a free agent, like somebody you mentioned is realistic for that reason. I do think that Jadeveon Clowney is going to hit the open market because I can sit Mm -hmm. here. The way I qualified this last night was I could sit here and say, um, you know, Demarcus Lawrence from the Cowboys. That'd be super awesome. Great. He's not hitting free agency. The Cowboys Mm -hmm. will figure out a way to get him back on their roster for next season. He's a premier pass rusher. The Texans, however, they've already paid J.J. Watt. They've already paid Whitney Merciless. They're going to pay Deshaun Watson at some point, and they either have or are going to pay DeAndre Hopkins at some point. You have to be willing to let some guys go, and they they do have some surplus at the pass rushing position. Clowney was the guy I said last night that I could open up, and I would be thrilled. He's not, you know, one of your premier pass rushers in today's game, like future Hall of Famer T.J. Watt. And yes, that was a joke, <laughs> um, but you know, guys like that for example, somebody like that that's a premier pass rusher. He's not one of those guys, but I do think he's a very good to solid pass rusher. And the reality is you have to overpay guys in free agency. So he's going to make So no you're not rolling out a
4: Khalil Mack-level contract for him?
3: Probably not, no. Um, and I don't know what kind of contract he's going to get on the open market. Khalil Mack and Von Miller are 1 and 1A one as far as I'm concerned for best edge rushers in football. And you can interchange them because I change my mind every week on which one I right. think is better. Uh, but I wouldn't give him a Khalil Mack-level contract. But if he could come for a free agency contract that makes you go, wow, like that's a lot of money – they have the money to spend. It's not like there's anybody on this free agency class coming out for Green Bay. You mentioned, you know, Randall Cobb, Bashad Breland. Um, that's real. Mo Wilkerson, maybe Clay Matthews. Clay, oh, geez, how did I forget Clay? One of my favorite players ever. Um, <laughs> but there's not, there's not a lot there in terms of guys that you're like, man, you know, like last year it was. You knew they had to re-sign Devonte Adams, and you knew they had to re-sign Corey Lindsley. And after that, there wasn't a whole lot. But there isn't really anybody like that this year where we're going up to the deadline of unrestricted free agency going, man, I hope they get that guy signed before the clock hits midnight or whatever it is.
4: Yeah, I think their next big contract would be Mike Daniels following next year.
3: Which they may so, not do that. Like, they that's may possible. not do that,
4: exactly. I was looking at that yesterday, but that's a whole other podcast. But yeah, the point is, they, they, they have got some wiggle room there as far as money goes, and they don't have to worry about much.
3: No, and if it's not Mike Daniels, then it's Kenny Clark. Uh, Yeah, somebody like that. So they have some time in terms of paying out those contracts. The cap is very able to be manipulated. These are all things that the Packers have thought about. I'm sure Russ Ball has. There's been, regardless of what you feel as far as how free agency has worked this year, Jimmy Graham obviously hasn't worked out like they thought he would. Mo Wilkerson broke his ankle early. Tremont Williams has been solid, nothing great, but for the money they got, that's about what they were expecting. Mm -hmm. The reality is there's been some change in philosophy as far as how the Packers view free agency, which I appreciate. Uh, I was mentioning pass blocking as being overrated for a running back. I also think compensatory picks are overrated. I don't think you should ever pass on a player of, say, Jadevian Clowney's uh, caliber in hopes of getting a fourth-round pick in next year's yeah, draft. Same when same thing? They, yeah, exactly. So I think those are overrated. But I, I mentioned that. Jadevian Clowney is what I would like to open up. If I could, if you want to go draft, again, I haven't dug in a whole lot on day two. Again, I'm a homer, so feel free. You can make fun of me. But Chase Winovich is somebody I've been enamored with since the first week of the season. I think he's a really good situational pass rusher in the NFL. And if you get him in the third round and you get a situational pass rusher, I think you're in really good shape out of that. He's not going to be an every down guy. I actually
4: love him to Matthews. He's very similar to Clay Matthews in terms of the way he plays the game.
3: I think that, you're saying that okay. because he's Caucasian and has long blonde hair, <laughs> but <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not pulling a Kumaro here. Yeah. I'm oh doing, my gosh. Not okay. doing any of that. But yep. uh, no, I honestly do
4: just because he's just a high, he's a high motor guy, yep. and I, I don't know if Clay Matthews was ever the type of guy who was a technician, you no. know. And I think that that's kind of what Winovich is, and I think that'd be a fine get in a middle round. So. Yeah,
3: if they if they do that um, and you see some weirdo in Rockford running around without pants on, uh, that is me. So more than thrilled to be that guy. Uh, Tyler, we do have a little bit more time. Uh, one more thing I want to touch on then is, you know, there's the naughty and the nice list. The nice list gets Jadavion Clowney or LaMarcus Joyner or something like that. The naughty list is, gets a lump of coal. So for this season specifically – what did you get as a lump of coal for this year? And you can't say the team's record because obviously we're all disappointed they didn't make the playoffs. But what specifically do you think has been the biggest lump of coal in the Packers' stocking for 2018?
4: You know, I think it's been the humanization of Rodgers. Uh, you know, we came into the year, he was coming back from the, you know, the collarbone injury. Basically, he played in Carolina, but or the shoulder injury. I'm sorry, I always liken it to the collarbone but the point is he's coming back and we're like okay, Rodgers is finally back. You know, we're going to go, we're going to go be the Packers we used to be. And then he came out and we realized that Rodgers is human. And you know, I think that plays a big part into the departure of Mike McCarthy and the big part into our uh, record, but it may, it makes me open my eyes a little bit looking to the future. I I don't think we need a quarterback anytime in the next 4 or 5 years. I don't think Deshaun Kaiser is that guy, just because of the timeline. I think he has the talent to be the kind of guy. I just don't think he is for us. And I, I just look at that with a kind of a new perspective now after seeing Rodgers this year and the struggles that he's had. And I'm hoping he's back because I think I think he had the yips most of the year. Yeah, I don't know what caused them. But I think that he needed to get his confidence and his swagger back, and I think today is going to go a long way towards doing that. And this could be a game that we're talking about next year as this was the catalyst moment that Rodgers needed to get back on track. So, But that's kind of been my lump of coal for the year has been Rodgers' struggles and humanization. Oh.
2: To
3: okay. Mine is the pass rushing group. Those of you that have listened to me have heard my rant on this before. The Packers have made three high-end moves at pass rusher Since 2011, they drafted Nick Perry in the first round. They signed Julius Peppers in free agency, and they drafted Kyler Fackrell with a top 100 pick. This is the effect this season of what you're seeing on that. Kyler Fackrell has nine and a half sacks, which nobody really knows how. Nick Perry was not good this season when he was healthy, and he was hurt, which seems to be a common theme with him. And Clay Matthews has some diminishing skills; probably needs to be a situational rusher at this point in his career. That's how I feel. I think the Packers, you know, you're talking two or three guys that I think you have to bring into that room, whether it's two vets and a draft pick, one vet and two high-ish draft picks. There's a lot there that the Packers need to do to that room specifically, and that's without even getting into the rest of the team needs. But that, in my opinion, is the biggest disservice that the Packers have done to their team in the last, what, seven years now is what we're looking at. Three guys added to that position group. That's not okay. And I don't think they can afford to do that this year. That's why I think they spend money at that position. That's why I think they spend draft capital at that position. But when I opened my stocking and after the draft this year, my biggest thing was who the hell is going to rush the passer? And it's yeah. it's turned out that way. Uh, they haven't really been able to get pressure without blitzing. So,
4: Well, I honestly think they're only a couple players away. If they do get, let's say, Jadavia and Clowney, and no, they retain Perry and Matthews and they draft a guy, I think you got four four quality rushers right there, and you can rotate. You can keep Clowney in the whole time, and you can rotate the other three on the other side, or do whatever you need to do. But I think that that's an immediate solution, and I think it's a very feasible one. So, not a, not a bad. It has definitely been very disappointing over the last few years, and I think we all saw it except for the Packers organization. I think they're the only ones that didn't see it, but.
3: Sure looks that way. Uh, We are out of time for today. Thank you guys for listening to this show. Be sure to check out Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can follow it on Twitter, at Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can follow Tyler Grezegorek at what, Tyler?
4: Tyler underscore Grez, T-Y-L-E-R underscore G-R-E-Z.
3: And you can follow me. I am at Jacob Westendorf. Want to wish everyone a very happy holiday season. Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, happy whatever it is that you guys celebrate. I'm appreciative to any and everyone for those sorts of things. Packers win today 44-38 in overtime over the New Jersey Jets. One of the most exciting games of the year. Definitely something we'll be talking about all off season. It will probably hold us over, and like Tyler mentioned, maybe this is the galvanizing moment that they need to go into next year. It just came too late for this year. Check out the show, give us a rating, uh, give us a review, everything, tell us what you're liking. And ultimately, next week, Andy Herman will be back in this spot, so be sure to listen to that. Give him your well wishes. He is at Scani Sports. But thank you guys, as always, for listening. And always, go Pack Go.
2: Third and six, trailing 30-23, to 23, two minutes straight up to go in the game. San Francisco showing a blitz through the A-gap, and here they come. Rodgers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Touchdown. Devontae yes. Adams. Left corner of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers. 16-yard touchdown pass. The Packers an extra point away from getting this game tied. Beathard on third down and three in the shotgun. Football to the 46 at Green Bay. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Beathard looking. as he throws it deep down the right sideline. And an interception intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine yard line of Green Bay. Snap to Rodgers looking right. Throws the right side, St. Brown makes nice reach. the top to save the yard line! Oh, he reached back to gather it in, and using all six five of his frame, tumbled out of bounds, inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Snap to Rodgers, looking downfield, throws the left side, to the got it, out of bounds, inside the 10-yard line! My goodness, what a throw and catch! Again, they beat Maven down the left sideline. Hunter Bradley, the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee, arm extended. Here it is, placement made, kick is up. it's good! good. He is good! Mason Crosby delivers the dagger! One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight! And the Packers win 33-30!